KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. San Diego County Registrar of Voters Michael Vu says the number of ballots received at this point in the election cycle is up 300 to 400 percent from 2016. Voters have been uh, really wanting to vote. I think the uh, number of people have been just ready and they've just been waiting for us to send them their respective ballots. And now that they have it within their hands, we know that there are hundreds of thousands of these mail ballots that have come back thus far and many more to go. Monday was the deadline to register to vote and receive a ballot in the mail for the November election. People planning to vote in person can still register up to and including on election day. Environmental leaders are meeting this week to brainstorm how to reach California's ambitious climate goals. The California Energy Commission is hosting the online symposium. The state plans to spend about $1.5 billion over the next decade to help meet its climate objectives, including the goal of becoming carbon neutral by the year 2045. Democratic State Assembly member Christina Garcia spoke at the symposium. She represents part of Los Angeles County. We need to be innovative in our way of thinking and a way of approaching. Our limitations and our lack of equity shouldn't hold us back, but they should help us innovate uh, to make sure that we're lifting everyone up. Hundreds of clean tech innovators are joining the discussion about electric vehicle charging, clean energy for cities, and how to store renewable energy. The annual event is the sixth of its kind. A new collaboration is taking shape to provide critical gun safety training for child welfare social workers. It will include training on gun violence restraining orders and the safe storage of firearms. Cecil Ashley says his agency has been affected by gun violence this year. So I'm thankful for trainings like this that are really proactive in equipping us not only to keep ourselves safe, to keep our families safe, but also giving them the tools that they need to be able to, outside of our presence, keep themselves safe. The virtual training on gun safety will begin next week and is expected to provide resources for nearly 800 social workers in San Diego County. It's Tuesday, October 20th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
Dozens of candidates in the city and county of San Diego are asking for your vote this year, but a number of them haven't always cast ballots themselves in past elections. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser gives us a rundown of the worst offenders. You can find out what Democratic congressional candidate didn't cast a ballot for either Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders in 2016. The answer is Amar Kampanajar, who's running in the 50th Congressional District. Then there's Republican Jim DiBello, who's running in the 52nd. He didn't vote in the 2008 presidential primary, which John McCain ended up winning. And Georgette Gomez, running in the 53rd, didn't vote in the November 2000 election when the U.S. Supreme Court ended the Florida recount and George W. Bush beat Al Gore. She also skipped the 2013 special election when Kevin Faulkner was elected mayor. For the full list of records and to search for specific candidates, go to kpbs.org slash missed. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. Poway voters will be asked to decide what to do with a defunct country club with Measure P on the ballot. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says this is not the first time the owner of the property has purposely abandoned a golf course in San Diego County. The lot where Stone Ridge Country Club resides is now overtaken by plants covered in graffiti and full of broken glass. The property is owned by Michael Schlesinger, who shut down the course after failing to get approval for a zoning change in 2017. In 2014, he had tons of chicken manure dumped onto his country club property in Escondido that failed to get rezoned for housing development. Chris Prine of Preserve Poway says the closure and decline of Stone Ridge is a similar pressure tactic. They are using this as a camp campaign issue. It's sort of like vote for this this measure, or we're going to, or the, or you're in fire danger, and and to me that is. It's, it feels like blackmail. I don't know. Maybe that's a strong word. Approval of Measure P would allow a maximum of 160 homes on the property in a development called The Farm. It will also include at least 70.4 acres of permanent open space. The Farm's Aaron McKinley says it's an opportunity for residents. This is their opportunity to keep it local. If it fails, then it will go back to the, be being controlled by Michael Schlesinger. The developer says the farm's open space and amenities would be available to all Poway residents. That was KPBS's Jacob Ayer. You can find his reporting and all of our election coverage on the KPBS Voter Guide. It has just about everything you'll need to know about filling out your ballot. You can find it at kpbs.org election. Despite San Diego's beautiful coast and its stunning skyline, more than 33 miles of city streets remain unpaved. The same is true for more than 28 miles of alleys. KPBS reporter John Carroll says one city council member is trying to change that. Nearly 13 miles of city streets in Council District 8 and more than 10 miles in District 4 are not paved. The reason for that dates back to city policies enacted in the early 50s and late 70s that prohibit the city from paving dirt streets, and people who live along the dirt streets are responsible for their maintenance. District 8 Councilwoman Vivian Moreno says she was shocked when she found out about the unpaved roads. 
it is really making a second class community in the city of San Diego. And I, as a council member, will not stand for that. Moreno has introduced legislation to change the old policies, which she hopes the council will vote on before the end of the year. It won't be cheap, depending on the level of upgrades. Paving all the dirt roads and alleys could cost anywhere from 300 to $900 million. John Carroll, KPBS News. Distance learning is a struggle for many California families, but a pair of new polls suggest most parents don't want to send their kids back to school yet. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. A survey by the Education Trust West shows only 35 percent of California parents say their child's distance learning has been successful this fall. That's way down from 57 percent at the beginning of the pandemic. But an unrelated poll commissioned by the California Teachers Association shows only 10 percent of parents want a full-on return to classrooms. 40 percent want hybrid learning and half say schools should be fully remote. Distance learning has been particularly difficult for some families. More than six months into the pandemic, majorities of Latinos and low-income parents still report issues with Internet and technology access. In Sacramento, I'm Nicole Nixon. The need for space to house people experiencing homelessness is at an all-time high. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne takes us to a motel in Escondido that will soon be a place of healing for the homeless. In a commercial zone in the city of Escondido, a motel that had been listed for sale since 2019 will soon serve as a tool to combat homelessness. It will be run by Interfaith Community Services. Interfaith and other organizations throughout San Diego have steered towards purchasing distressed hotels as a way to provide a safe and effective space for people in need of housing. Interfaith graduate Jennifer Kasizak calls them healing hotels. Because it's impossible to go from street to, you know, something that's like this or like the place I'm at now. Kasizak was diagnosed with breast cancer six years ago. The physical and financial burden of treatment took a toll on her, causing her to lose her home and job. And the chemo kind of made me have brain fog a lot, so it was really hard to get a job afterwards, you know, similar to what I was doing before. And so I just kind of, I guess you could say gave up, you know, didn't pay rent, didn't pay my car, max credit cards, so it's just like, eh, you know, just depression, pretty much, and being broke because of cancer. She says the Interfaith program made all the difference in helping her get off the streets and into a place she can call home. It's amazing they have these programs and the fact that they're for people that come out of the hospital and they can recuperate. I think that's fantastic. Greg Angel is the CEO of Interfaith Community Services. He says cases like Jennifer's ring the bell for the need for spaces for people to recover and get back on their feet. That is what led to the recent purchase of this motel in Escondido. We're so excited to turn this uh, now uh, empty motel into a place of healing and transformation. And we've been working on this project for more than a year. Uh, We have the support of our San Diego County Board of Supervisors, who approved a $6 million grant to uh, go towards this purchase. Ultimately, it'll be a $10 million project. The motel will provide beds for a mix of recovering and graduate interfaith clients. And we will help people who are exiting hospitals without housing, and we'll also help people who are on the streets to be able to have a safe place to go while they move forward in their lives. Angel says the need for these beds has never been greater in North County. 
Right. There are thousands of people experiencing homelessness on any night in our, in our county. And the reality is there are not enough shelter beds. There are not enough uh, graduate lodging beds or recuperative care beds like we will provide here to help those individuals. The trend of purchasing hotels to serve as housing for the homeless has been gaining momentum. The San Diego City Council recently approved the purchase of two hotels to serve as permanent housing, a move that Mayor Kevin Faulkner says is leading California in the right direction. And by converting these hotels into housing and continuing to navigate folks into other housing, our region will continue to lead the state on solutions to reduce homelessness. Interfaith Community Services continues to provide food, employment, addiction treatment, caseworkers, and counseling support to those in need. The purchase of the motel now means the expansion of services they can provide. Every room here will be helping another person move forward in their lives. In Escondido, Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. This story was produced with support from the Economic Hardship Reporting Project. Coming up, live opera makes its return in a San Diego parking lot. Our arts reporter Beth Accomando interviews the people putting it together. That's next after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Live Opera is back, but with a twist. San Diego Opera will be staging La Boheme in the parking lot of Pechanga Arena, San Diego. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with San Diego Symphony's Rafael Payare about his conducting debut with the opera and about working with COVID restrictions. Rafael, opera has been done outdoors before, but this is going to be an outdoor drive-in opera. So how are you feeling about this and, and what do you see as some of the challenges? Opera itself, everything's so dramatic, you know, and you get involved in this world and you feel and you cry and you you get overjoyed for everything. But especially since, uh, you know, what is happening in the world, we have been deprived for this. So just the fact that we're being able to do it is going to bring up a lot of excitement per se, plus the dramatic part. I mean, we will have, as we know, having Bohem is one of the most beloved operas and having Mimi dying of coughing that might be a little bit you know slightly on 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 the nose given the circumstances that we have around but the music itself is so wonderful one of the challenges that is going to be happening is of course is going to be the distance how we are going to be together trying to expressing what the scores wanted and having the view of being able to uh, uh, transmit to everybody what the story is, being this distance and actually going through radio when everybody's going to be in their own cars. Um, but I think it's a, it's a welcome challenge. And I think I am feeling very confident and excited that this is going to be one of a kind kind of thing. 
Now, I understand for the opera singers, there are very specific rules about how far apart they have to be from each other. How is it going to be for the musicians? Um, and how is the how are the COVID restrictions kind of changing what the orchestra pit is like? I think um, the measurement for the singers, for the aerosol parts, I think they are not supposed to be closer than 15 feet between each other. For the orchestra, a strings player is six feet and the woodwind and brass is actually 12 feet. And for me as a conductor with the musician, I am treated as a will be a mixture in between woodwind and singers and everything. So it's also 12 feet between me and the next musicians. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that one of the wonderful things of that the human race has is the resilience. So we are going to adapt and we are going to kind of get this. This is what we have and we're going to make the best out of it. And uh, it's going to be challenging, of course. I'm really looking forward to see how that will go, but I'm sure that we will find the way and we will just connect and we will just enjoy it and, and portray it and suffer with the bohemians uh, the, the, in their wonderful story, yeah. And as a conductor, is there a difference between working um, with the symphony on, on a piece where it's just the music and working in opera where you're part of a, a bigger production where there's also live singers and, and acting going on on stage. For you, what is kind of the, the difference and the different challenges? With, of course, with the symphonic repertoire, you have, you work these things out. And even though it's not like you rehearse everything and everything goes as you rehearse it, because one of the wonderful things of playing live music is that you have to react to what that happened but it's in a different way sometimes different pieces you know you don't have words in it so you have to try to find out what is the the story behind or what if there is a, a painting that uh, or some kind of um, bigger picture that you need to portray or there's actually a story behind or there's something it depends on what it is with opera of course we do have a libretto and we have uh, interacting singers and acting um, for a conductor you just Besides the fact that you need to have the music come together, then you have to react to what is happening. We are human beings. Sometimes we need a little bit more time to breathe or maybe something would happen on stage, you know, like a, 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 something fell and you have to stop and wait until that noises get out there and then you have to react. So it's it's a lot of fun. And um, that kind of interaction, of course, makes... Um, all the time you have been pushed with adrenaline. Everything is like, oh, that wasn't the way that it was going, but wait a second, wait, okay, we have to see. Okay, now we go this way. So it's it's, it's a lot of fun, for sure. And this is your first time working with San Diego Opera, correct? Yes, indeed, indeed. And so I understand that having to do this in the pandemic makes it very different, but <laughs> um, what has this experience been like and what has the preparation so far been like? Well, we're still building things as we go i mean we're still being at this stage we have been in conversation of course with david we talked uh, before and we were going i was going to have a collaboration with them maybe next season or something like that we were thinking about some vorja we were thinking about other different operas but now the the this opportunity just came in and it's kind of good that we could you know team up and try to bring the audience in San Diego something that has been taken away for six months, that it's live music, you know, in this case with opera or symphonic or everything. So it, it was a good thing to say like, okay, the times are challenging, but let's just make this work. Let's just uh, uh, get together and let's push through the challenges that are going to come. And I think that there's going to be 
wonderful. I'm really looking forward, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think the experience is going to be like? At, you know, there there is outdoor opera, but you're usually sitting in a seat able to, you know, hear and see things. So what do you think the experience is going to be like for people having to be in their cars and hearing it through their car stereo? Yeah, it's going to be unique, but it's like the driving movies. Um, in a way, giving the people the, the, the privacy that they would have in their own car and they would actually would be able to see the thing and maybe even comment on something, you know, that you will not be able to do it when you are indoors or like, oh, you'll be like, oh my God, have you seen that? Or something like that, you know, that this, this kind of, so it will add something different to a very strange year that we're having, you know, <laughs> the whole world is having it. But um, yeah, it's, I don't want to say weird because weird could have some bad connotation, but it's going to be unique. That's for sure. And especially because we know because you could do this outside and outdoors and it's great. But nowadays we know that there are many things that we cannot do. And yet you feel privileged to being able to do something more normal that it will be to just go and enjoy opera in a different way. But it gives a little bit of sense of normality to this very weird and strange year that everybody's having. So um, it's it makes me, uh, you know, full of joy and and, and, and excitement. I, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic experience. And this is wonderful that San Diego Opera is, 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 is determined to make this happen. Talk specifically about the music in this opera and what about it do you particularly like or, or that excites you? Uh, Puccini has this amazing ability with Verismo that the orchestra part itself is quite symphonic. It's the, it's the counterpoint is really, really, I mean, you could have, uh, you just hear the orchestra and how all the motives are aligned. It's not just about, okay, this is, uh, sometimes there are different composers that are great, but sometimes, you know, like the orchestra has a line and the singers has a different kind of line. With, with um, uh, Puccini, same thing happened with Birdie, is that everything is so interconnected in a way that hearing one thing or the other, it just makes you get into the into this amazing world. And for the conductor is phenomenal because it's very challenging. You have to be aware of the wonderful long lines and difficult uh, areas and beautiful, beautiful areas that the singers have. But at the same time, you need to balance the orchestra and the orchestra needs to um, react to what is happening. It's like a mixture when you are going to do like a, a, a complete, uh, I don't know, six course menu and you have this amazing product of it that uh, that you know that you have is like having the best uh, I don't know caviar or or sea urchin and and salmon and this whole thing all together. But you need to actually being able to put them. And Puccini's music is you will always feel since the very beginning, since the appetizer until the dessert, you just feel that you are just in this amazing joy. And, at the end, you will be crying because, of course, it's so tragic that Mimi dies, but you enjoy so much going through that with them, that it is fantastic. It's one of those things that you just experience and, and, and just get it, and you just go through that and then think about, oh, my God, I don't think I could go through that again. Maybe, yes, let's do it again, you know? <laughs> All right, well, I want to thank you very much for talking about La Boheme. Thank you, thank you, my pleasure. That was Beth Accomando speaking with conductor Rafael Payade. San Diego Opera's drive-in production of La Boheme starts this Saturday.
Before you go, KPBS is still hoping to hear from you about what your plans will be for this Halloween. If you have a moment, please call 619-452-0228 and leave a voice memo with your name, your neighborhood, and then whatever your plans for Halloween might be. Again, the number is 619-452-0228. We're looking for your pandemic Halloween plans or maybe some ideas. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.